I'm Peter Hernandez, and I've been in the real estate industry for 50 years as an agent, president, and founder of a brokerage. You're listening to The Core Truth, a collection of my experience, knowledge, and advice for real estate agents and executives to take their career to the next level. Welcome to The Core Truth. My name is Peter Hernandez, and I am your host. And today I have Lauren Kincaid Wong, Pasadena Manager for Douglas Elliman with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thanks, Peter. It's really great to have you. And today we're going to focus on two things. We're going to focus on management. We always are focusing on sales and what agents need to do and how agents could perform better. But today we're going to actually cover what managers need to think about, managers of real estate offices. But before we dig dig into that, I want to get in a little bit into um, Lauren's background. And Lauren, why don't you tell us a little about a, a bit about who you are, you know, maybe, you know, where you're from, what you did previous to real estate, and just give us a little insight into Lauren Kincaid Wong. Sure. Um, so I have been in LA for hmm, 22, three years, somewhere in there. Um, I actually grew up in Las Vegas. Uh, so I'm one of the few that can call the casino land my home. Um, and my mother was actually in real estate. Um, we, before that, she, she and I used to go and look at all the, the brand new homes in Las Vegas because there was tons. <laughs> We'd go and look at model homes and that was our fun uh, hobby. Um, and then she ended up going into real estate and um, I kind of touched into the industry myself as a notary. Um, I did loan doc signing back in Las Vegas as a, a late teenager. And then um, when I moved to L.A., I decided to go into loans. So I started working for um, a lender here in Pasadena and got hired on as um, the executive assistant, worked my way up to vice president and managed the offices for 10 years um, in Beverly Hills and Pasadena. And then I took some time off to be with my kids and decided I wanted to get back into the industry, but in a different area. I like challenging myself. So I went into real estate. Well, you like to challenge yourself in other things, too, because I hear you play golf. <laughs> no, I try to play golf. My husband's teaching me. <laughs> um, so I would say I play golf, but I I'm learning. Yeah, I know. It's a tough sport. It's, a, it's an endless challenge. It is. Well, um, I recognized you early on, Lauren, as, as um, somebody that would be a great manager for our Pasadena office. And um, I was really excited when you said yes to becoming the manager. And you're a hybrid, so you do sale and you manage, which um, I actually think is the best way for people to manage an office. Because if you stay in sales, you're going to be more relevant to your agents. You're going to be more knowledgeable. Um, as you get further and further away from your last deal, you become kind of, I think, less sensitive to some of the challenges agents face and even even a little bit um, callous, I think. Um, and I hear that a lot from upper management and stuff like that, where they just think this job is so easy. Just go out and list a house and sell it. And it really isn't. So let me now. ask you why you accepted my offer for you to join us as a manager. I was actually really excited that you asked because it's something that I had just like there are serendipitous moments in our lives where things happen for a reason. And I literally had just spoken to my husband um, the weekend before you guys asked me. And I was like, you know, I think management would be a great place for me. It's something that I've, I'm really familiar with um, having managed in the past. Um, and 
not only that, I loved Douglas Element. I love what we're about. I love the culture here. And I just kind of was drawn to it. And then the next thing I know, you guys were asking me. So it, again, it was very serendipitous. It is. There's no coincidences in this world. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, we saw that you had, you know, management back, you know, experience in mortgage and other areas. So we knew you had management experience, um, but not in real estate, you know, not managing a real estate office. And I think managing a real estate office is, is a very challenging um, position for sure. It's exciting. It's not for everybody. Um, you know, there's a, a pound of flesh and a pint of blood that goes with every, every single day we put into this, um, into this job. Um, but I guess my question is, um, now you're a year in, I think your feet are wet. You've got, you know, some experience. What do you think is, I mean, let me ask you this question. How do you run a great office? What do you, what do you think that means? Um, I don't want to say that I'm running a great office. I love my office, but I don't want to make myself seem like more than I may be. I, I think that we are a fantastic office. Um, but some of the things that I think has helped in this situation is, um, number one, the, the manager has to be approachable. You have to be able to feel like you can go to that person for questions. If you're um, intimidated by them, you're likely to reach out if you have a concern, and that can lead to issues down the road. So number one, I think, is approachability. Um, and then number two, I think, is accessibility, because when you need those questions answered, sometimes you can't wait 24, 48 hours to get a response back. So I tell my agents, you know, if I can't answer the call, I will let you know when I can so that you're not sitting around waiting, wondering when I'm going to get back to you. Um, so I think those two are the main um, the main components for a great manager, but also ma making sure that you're continuing your education, being involved in what's happening, <clears throat> excuse me, in the real estate industry. Because right now there's so much going on that's going to potentially change us that, um, you know, I, I'm a part of CAR, I'm a part of NAR, I'm a part of our local association um, in a leadership position. And those roles have allowed me to bring back knowledge to our office way ahead of those other people or other managers who are not as involved. Um, so our, our offices get a leg up because of that. Yeah, I mean, I, you're, you're the president of your local board, aren't you, as I understand? I'm going into my, my presidency for 2024, yes. That's right, that's right. And um, as a member of the board, a member of CAR, and a member of NAR, you know, you know what we're lobbying for, you know some of the threats to our business and home ownership. Absolutely. You know some of the challenges agents are going to have um, with their businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I know we're going off topic, but I think this is important. Why, why don't you kind of tell us what you think maybe a couple of the biggest challenges are and you know what we should be thinking and doing about them? Absolutely. Well, the two major issues right now are number one the, is the co-op um, lawsuits that are happening between NAR um, and some of the other main uh, players in the industry. Um, this, by, by removing the ability to pay the buyer's co-op, um, there's a lot of, of potential changes that could come down the road, including possibly removing the need for an MLS and selling within the own their, your own brokerage the listing agent therefore you know now represents the buyer um if we don't have that co-op that's something that I, I see could be a potential um so right now you know anywhere has already um uh, settled their their lawsuit and there are some others who are still waiting to determine whether or not they're going to move forward with the actual litigation or if they're going to settle as well but um you know 
that that initial settlement is kind of setting the stage for what's to come. And so that could be a huge game changer in this industry. And if you're not a listing agent, you really, really need to be. Um, the second issue that we're facing here in California is ACA 13, which um, is a threat to the Prop 13 uh, that we cast in previous years, which allows people to take their property taxes with them um, at a certain age. Now, if that goes away or if we remove the ability to take that same level of property taxes, homeownership can become more uh, unaffordable for people and there will be less homeowners that are um, entering the market. So that's and, not and leaving the market because why would you sell? Exactly. Exactly. So those are two huge things that we're facing right now. And um, I know that we're working really hard on ACA 13. And right now, we're, there's not much we can do regarding the co-ops, but we're, we're sitting and we're watching and we're taking note to see what we need to do to prep ourselves for those changes. I know a lot of these changes are, you know, from the state or the Fed's point of view are, are, are changes to protect consumers, but sometimes they, they don't understand the nuances or they don't understand how it could actually work in an office. Well, I mean, I think a great, a great example is ULA tax. You know, um, mm -hmm. I think, I think uh, Mayor Bass had a great idea to, you know, tax luxury people so that they could help the homeless, which was a great idea, but all they did was reduce income because now no one's selling. Right. No one wants to pay the tax. So they exactly. just don't want to on the market. So some of these ideas, while they're good in concept, backfire. And I think that's why particularly this, was it AC13? Is that what we're calling mm -hmm. it? Yes. Is a huge, huge uh, potential decrease in revenue for the state because it's not going to raise taxes on people moving to new homes. What it's going to do is people are going to stay in their homes and not sell, which exactly. is going to hurt everybody all the way around. And it's going to have a huge um, impact on, on our state's economy. Which without ACA 13, we're already facing that issue because so many people bought during COVID at a two and a half to three percent or refinanced during COVID to two and a half and three percent. So they're not going to sell either. No. And then and, and the and, and still the untalked about thing, too, is that most people aren't selling. There was a there was a I guess it's been about, I don't know, 15, 20 years now that our inventory on the market has decreased. And we've been selling properties from a decreased inventory. And originally, the beginning of that decrease in inventory was in our capital gains tax. We have a really high state and federal combined capital gains tax in California. So people are just saying, yeah, I'll just keep it and pass it to the kids. You know, right. we're not now you throw onto that, you know, the Prop 13 change and a ULA tax. And now all of a sudden you're just shutting down the real estate industry in a time where we need housing. Absolutely. And we need, and, and, and the thing that people don't understand is when a real estate sale happens, Lauren, um, it activates a lot of businesses, escrow companies, mortgage companies, moving companies, furniture companies, remodelers, contractors. I mean, you really just, I've just begun to touch the list of people that are impacted by it. So I would love you to, um, uh, maybe in this chat here, we can put up somewhere where people can write their senators or regarding AC 13, because I think it's extremely important and maybe Absolutely. put that in the private chat and Sunny can somehow post it on our, our webinar here. I mean, our podcast as we go forward. Okay. Our, our, um, our assembly members are no longer accepting any, um, any emails or contacts regarding ACA 13. So unfortunately that's not something that we can move forward with, but, um, but it was something that all the associations had called their members to do. And because of the resounding response they received, that's why they're no longer requesting any. any okay, more great. All right. So we, so good. So we, that's done. All right. So now that you've had experience running a real estate office and you've had experience, 
you know, running a different kind of business. What would you say the major differences are between running a real estate office versus maybe a mortgage? Well, a mortgage broker might be somewhat similar, but maybe an employee type company. Yeah, I mean, managing um, managing loan offers, officers has a lot of similarities, but the main differences are um, we're all salespeople, but uh, loan officers on the basic sense, um, don't necessarily do as much on the back end while, while it's an underwriting. They're managing the transaction. They're following up with the underwriter. They're following up with the appraiser, um, but they're not necessarily as hands-on. Real estate, we're hands-on start to finish. Um, and there's so many more complexities within a deal that we deal with than a, a lender does. Um, so, you know, making sure that we're all educated and we understand what each of those nuances are or reaching out when you don't know what those nuances are or how to best approach them. Um, that's what makes management of real estate a lot different. So my education, my continuing education that I do is a daily thing. I always make sure I'm learning something new every single day to help better manage my office and be a resource for my agents. Um, and that's something that I didn't have to do as regularly as a, a, a mortgage manager. We talk about that a lot on our morning calls. Um, mm -hmm. We talk about like, would you go to a doctor that wasn't staying current with the most advanced medical practices? And you probably wouldn't. I remember one time I walked into my doctor's office and I actually looked around at all, all the equipment. And I said, boy, this stuff looks really outdated. And so then I went and interviewed a couple of doctors and I was right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the equipment, everything was so different. So to me, it's, it's very important that we stay completely current with what's going on in our industry. Absolutely. Are there, are there certain skill sets? Like if somebody is in management or they want to go into management, are there certain skill sets they should have uh, that would make them a good manager in your opinion? You know, anybody who has run a team typically already has the ability to manage an office because it's the same thing as running a team. So I have a team as well. Um, and it's making sure that you're educating them on any new issues that are are forefront in our industry, um, making sure that they have the tools that they need to be able to generate leads, to be able to uh, manage their transactions. Um, again, being a, a resource, um, something that I think is extremely helpful in the office management side is making sure that you can relate to people where they're at. Um, it's not about making them become something else. You have to be able to meet them where they're at, whatever their personality style is, and be that support to that person. Um, so even though we're talking about office management, all of this can also be incorporated as a real estate agent if you're overseeing a team as well. I love that. I love that. Um, what would you describe are your priorities as a manager um, in building your office, thinking about your office, supporting your agents? You know, I think about a lot of the things that I wanted as an agent from my manager in, in different brokerages that I had been with before. Um, and a lot of them were very hands off and you only heard from them if they were at the office meeting or um, if you had a question. And I don't want to be that type of manager. I want to make sure that we're constantly providing value. So um, even something as small as what we're implementing this week, today, actually, today is our caravan day. And um, we decided to put together um, an office caravan where we're going to meet ahead of time. 
and I'll caravan out to each of the properties and then come back and discuss it in the office, answer any questions. And we're going to do that on a weekly basis. So something as small as that to bring people back together, especially post COVID when we're also used to being isolated in our own homes, bringing people back together to collaborate and talk about the market and make it more of an open space. Um, that's something that I really am excited for. And I hope that the agents are too. I'm sure they will be. I think, I think that, is something that was lost years ago and 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 we need to bring that back because human connection is so so important um in so many levels it really is yeah um what else do you think is a priority over manager um you know again making sure that we're providing value so each each office meeting that i have i have a little compliance section um and i kind of take a, a nod from from john in his office management uh, meetings as well where he kind of throws up can be to people who answer questions correctly. So I do a little compliance jeopardy game and I, I throw out a question and people answer it. And if they answer correctly, they get their candy. <laughs> you know, it's little things just to make it a more fun environment, but still yeah. learning at the same time. And it's right. amazing. You know, you, you catch on those things um, like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I was supposed to be doing that within 24 hours, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I think making making learning fun, but also providing that value to them. I noticed your office is, is really landing some huge luxury listings. Yes, um, we're very fortunate. Very big in the high end. What do you think are the reason that you're getting these big listings that you know other offices struggle to get? Well, you know, I think it's it's definitely the reputation of the agents themselves. Um, they're also with a fabulous brand, Douglas Elliman, that can help support them. And our PR department has been very instrumental in a lot of that as well. We have an agent who took their first mega multi-million dollar listing and um, PR was all over it, helped them get the placement that they needed. It's for a celebrity. And, you know, that helps to nurture that relationship with the celebrity as well, because they understand that they're getting uh, their money's worth. They're getting the exposure that they need to sell this property. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can't say that I play any part in that in helping them to land these these listings, because a lot of them, it's all them. It's their reputation. It's the, the people that they are, how approachable they are and the knowledge that they have to be able to land these listings. Yeah, we have great listing. You have great agents and great listings. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think? Uh, agents are looking for in a manager like when you're when you're and then and then i'm, I'm going to ask you another question what are you looking for in an agent so when an agent is it let's say you're at a, a recruiting meeting and mm -hmm. an agent's coming in and they what do you think they're looking for from you like what in a good manager they want to know that they're going to be able to get their questions answered as soon as possible. I think that's the number one question that I, I talk about in our, our interviews. Um, but also they're just looking to make sure that they have the support that they need, that they have um, the, the brokerage and the name to back them and help them to, to remain successful and continue to move upwards in their careers. Um, but I think, again, they're looking for someone who's approachable and who's accessible. Those are really, really important factors for agents. Um, and as far as what we're looking for, you know, it doesn't matter to me whether you're a brand new agent or you've been in the industry forever. If you're intelligent, if you're poised, if you have the drive to to want to make it in this industry, whether you've been in it for six months or six years or you know 30 years, that's what I look for. I look for the passion and the commitment to make this their career. Um, and so I will hire someone who's brand new, doesn't know anything about the industry, but has the passion and drive. And I know that they're going to work hard. I would take them 10 times over someone who's been in the industry for five, 10 years and just is kind of sitting back and not really wanting to do much and just letting it come to them. You know, that's 
that's not the way to be successful in this industry. You really have to drive, especially with the changes that we're seeing coming down the pipeline. Um, we have to be able to do the work, to make the calls, to you know, uh, create relationships with people, to maintain those relationships and work to get those sales. That's what makes us a successful agent. Do you have a favorite question or to ask an agent to determine whether they have that fire or not? Is there like a question you would offer no, managers to ask? I, I like to learn a lot about who they are and what makes them tick, what their passions are, what their hobbies are, how they work that into their business. And that's really kind of where I find the determining factor of whether or not they're a, a DE type of DNA. Um, if they, if they have, if, they're kind of connecting the dots between all of their hobbies and their recreation and family and friends and bringing that together towards um, a real estate, a potential real estate business. Then I think that that's all that really matters. You know, our growth managers, they're talent acquisition researchers and they right. bring people to you. And one of their biggest complaints is that you're so particular. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just telling that up front. I'm being totally open, yeah. but. I don't mind that. I I I want you to be like that way. So that is really cool. I'm not here to create a 200 person office. I'm not here to hire anybody off the street. They have to be the right type of person and they have to be someone that fits in our culture. Because one of the great things that I love about DE and about this office in particular is we are a family and we're here to lift each other up and support each other, not to break each other down and have competition. Yeah. And if I feel like that's going to be something that breaks apart our office, I'm not going to invite them in. I want the right person here. Right. I love that. I love that. Um, you're, you're, you're known for your ability to generate leads and, and give insights to agents and coach agents and lead generation. Um, that is the topic today. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of agents I was just sharing, you know, with, uh, you know, our platform host here, um, I think they're looking for that magic app, the trick, whatever mm -hmm. it is, but talk to us a little bit about lead generation and what you think is the key. I think the key, excuse me, is doing the work, making the calls. Right now, um, given this kind of potential shift, um, going back to the basics is going to be the fundamental of what's going to make someone continue to be successful. So making sure that you're reaching out to your sphere every day, five, at least five people a day, if not more, um, making sure that you're calling to new leads or creating new leads, whether you're doing social media lead generation, but making sure you're reaching out a speed to lead is is obviously what's going to to grab those people, and making sure that you're following up in a genuine and uh, uh, genuine manner with a lot of value added. Um, you know, some of the other things too. Right now, I think even something as simple as having some print ads. I know that we kind of all feel like the news and 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 paper print is kind of on its way out, but in a community like Pasadena. The news is the paper news is actually still very important here. So even trying to get some sort of market share within um, advertising in the local area in your neighborhood, if you can, that's I think going to be instrumental going forward because people want to know that they're working with someone who knows and and lives in the area, and um, and making sure that you are that face that they see on a regular basis is important. It's so funny. I, I I'm just thinking here that you're talking about that you know news ads and just kind of the consistency of lead generation and marketing. And when you get a listing, what an opportunity, right? I mean, that is yes. your, that is your just launching pad to not mm -hmm. only promote a listing, but to promote your business. So I find that agents get a listing and 
they have a, a great first week launch. You know, they do the e-blast, they do the social media posts, they might put an ad in the paper, they, but then week two, three, four, five, they go silent. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yes. Um, making sure that you're consistently pushing that, whether it's, it's closed already and it's been six months, making sure you're utilizing those listings to help uh, potentially get you additional listings is so important. Um, the other thing too, is making sure that you have that visibility on social media. So if you're taking um, those listings and creating just uh, just listed or just sold, you need a little bit more behind that. You need to create the story. You need to tell the story and people will relate to that more than they will a just sold for 300,000 over asking and multiples. They want to know who those people are and how they utilized you and what their experience was. And by connecting all of those, that will help you to get additional leads in the future. I love that. A, a big part of social, um, a big part of lead generation right now is social media. And Lauren, I know you recently did a coaching class in your office where you went through social media. And, and, and most people know I love social media from the point of view, not that I'm scrolling, seeing what everybody's doing, but I love it as a business tool. I love social media as a business tool. It's not my social tool by any stretch of the imagination because I love face-to-face -face real mm -hmm. human contact. If I'm not doing that, I'd rather just be at home doing something else. <laughs> but, right. But I know a lot of people do spend a lot of their time socially on social media. And that's great. There are con they're, they're actually the people we are marketing to because mm -hmm. those that are consuming social media all the time, those are the people that we can market to. So um, I noticed, you know, your social media. I mean, it went, it was good, but it went to great. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> I noticed that move. You know, there's a book, Good to Great. You were good to great. And I think a lot of people are noticing that. And you were taking some of those, those new skill sets that you had created and you're training your agents at the office in how to do that. What are your thoughts on social media? Social media is a completely underutilized tool for lead generation. And um, honestly, I need to be doing more videos. Um, I just, with between my three jobs, I, I don't have a ton of time. Four, four jobs. Yeah, four jobs. But, you know, making sure that you're doing consistent video. I mean, we have an opportunity now to be able to reach people in a way that we weren't able to do 10 years ago. Um, now people can get to know who you are as a person before they even reach out to you and find out if you're the type of people that they gravitate towards. So using this as an opportunity to create videos, not only that are educational, but also something about your family, personal, getting to know who you are as a person is, is um, so important to make sure that you're doing that on a consistent basis and showing them all the different sides of you, the, the real estate side, um, the personal side, your hobby side, and then they can gravitate towards that, that person that you are on social media and realize I can work with that person. I really like this. And they know what they're talking about. They're, they're extremely um, educated in their field. And I know that if they'll be able to handle my transaction well. Um, but there are so many people who get stuck behind. I hate the way I look on camera. I hate listening to myself. Um, I, I don't know how to, to be personable on camera. And it's really just about being who you are, starting from where you're at and not comparing yourself to people who are out there um, doing videos consistently and have been doing it for years. Those people started somewhere and you have to start somewhere too. just get the video out and start doing it regularly. And it will, you'll grow as you continue to do it. And it, people will appreciate that, that you're being your genuine self. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you're so comfortable on camera and I think you really kind of tune into what people want to hear. You know what I mean? I think you've, 
pick topics that people really want to listen to. So talk to us a little bit about how you decide what content to put on your on your videos. So it's actually really easy. I just go through the transactions with my clients. When they ask a question, I write it down in the notes of my iPhone, and that's what I make into a topic. If they're asking about it, chances are there are 10 other people who want to know about it as well. Sure. And it can be something so minor that you think, oh, they don't need to know a video about um, what, what goes into a down payment. But if they're asking it, chances are there's a lot of other people who have the same question but are afraid to ask. So if you present the answer to it before they get a chance to question it, that makes you the the, the, the knowledge, the person that they need to, um, to reach out to. Um so is there one topic recently that you did that you thought got particularly good response and people really reacted well to or or leaned into? So my most viewed video on my Instagram is, and I don't know why I've only done one, but um, it's something that I talked about a personal real estate transaction of mine. Um, and my mother-in-law, when my husband and I were trying to um, buy a home, had said, you should buy a duplex. And I was like, I am not going to buy a duplex. I am not going to live you know, sharing a wall with, with my renter or whatever, that's just a horrible idea. Um, but now being in the real estate industry, I realized that that was really the smartest thing that I could have done had I done it um, because we could have purchased it on an FHA three and a half percent and then, you know, lived there for a couple of years and then bought something else. But cre creating a personal story about it is something that really touched people and it got so many views. Um, so really making it about who you are, experiences that you've had makes it more relatable for the viewer. I agree with that. I've, I've kind of moved into that a little bit in some storytelling, you know, from experiences in my life and things that I've done and just remembrances and things like that. And man, the comments, the people sharing similar ideas and stories mm -hmm. that they went through, um, it really surfaces. It does. People are looking for stories and we've heard that, you know, it's, it's, I think, I think it was, uh, discussed how back in the days when people told stories around campfires, you know what I mean? And, and, and how engaging it is and, and memorable and things like that. So now, you know, make doing the same thing on social media, I think is the key. And that's how you get your point across a little better than you should be doing this. You should be doing that. Yes. I mean, nothing. I mean, there's nothing that irritates me more than a 23 year old telling me how to live life. Right. I mean, I mean seriously. Yeah. I mean, they're still learning to brush their teeth, right? And so to me, it's like, it's so hilarious, but that's what they're all out there doing. So I think if you come from experience and tell mm -hmm. stories, actual events that you've experienced, then I think you're going to be way more effective in your communication. Especially if you're telling people don't make the same mistake that I did. Yeah. You know, that's... Or if you are, go into it open-eyed and learn from it. You know what I mean? Because right. it's like, we can, we can tell people not to make the same mistake, but sometimes I think you have to almost. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, this has been a wonderful, wonderful session um, with you, Lauren. I always love your professionalism and everything you are looking for an agent, you know, poise, fire, all the intelligence, all those things you said are you in a, in a oh, capsule. So I really, really, I, I really appreciate our relationship. I hope you know that. I and, do too. Uh, you yeah, are, you are my mentor. <laughs> I, 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 I like everything you're doing and I just value you so much. Thank you. So, thank everybody, you. that's another core truth. Thank you for joining us. Lauren, thank you for being on. And uh, we'll see you next Thursday.